following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right, give it up for the Lord today. Wow. Wow. What a beautiful, beautiful August crowd here in September. Do you realize that tomorrow my wife will start thinking about Christmas shopping? And some of your wives will also. You know that, especially if you have grandkids. And uh, this crowd is not full of grandparents. The first crowd is, but this crowd's not. And and the next crowd, still worried about getting married. (laughs) But uh, it's three months away, folks, from Christmas. And some of you hadn't got your past Christmas bills taken care of. You got some more coming on. So it's a fun, fun time to be around. Good to see everybody today. I'll tell you what, our music and our worship was off the chain today. And we thank God that our praise group and our praise and worship pastor was on point today. That last song that they sang is one of my favorites. They don't sing it enough. If they, if they sung it enough, they'd sing it every Sunday for me. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. We are in a, we're in a series. We're in a series on joy. And uh, we're, we're, we're going through the book of Philippians. And we've just had a wonderful time. We did chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and today I'm in chapter four. But what a joy, what a joy to talk about the joy that needs to be in our lives and is in our lives if we know Jesus Christ. It's just a great thing to have the joy of the Lord because it is our strength. Uh, In the first service, in the first service, we had had a man, you know, you know my love for ice cream. And we had, we had this man here, he, he owns the, uh, the, uh, Delight place over on William Cannon. And Delight is my getting off of Bluebell. It's my getting off because it's, it's light. It's light. It's ice cream light. Less calories, same great taste. You know, that kind of stuff. And so I go there and I feel so guiltless. I feel so good when I, when I eat it. And then, then I see Corey over here today. And two weeks ago, we went to Brenham. And we went to the Bluebell factory. And we both got sugar rushes. We really did. They fed us Bluebell until the cow said, that's enough. I'm not going to give you any more milk. And, and so I've been off of it, Corey, ever since. I want you to know that. I hope you have too. I hope you've gone cold turkey. But I've been doing a lot of delight. But what a joy to see you today. It's just an honor, an honor to preach the Word of God to you. I'm closing this series out today. Now, in the, in the, first, in the first lesson this, this uh, month, we talked about happiness comes from happenings, but joy comes from Jesus. The second week, we learned about joy killers, living to impress, living for the applause, living for me. That's joy killers. And last week, we heard that my joy does not come from my accomplishments, but it comes from what Jesus did for me, his accomplishments in my life. Because my righteousness is as filthy rags, but his righteousness, when it's imputed in me, makes me the person that I am. He's the center of our joy. Say amen to that. So I want you to stand for the reading of the word. It's not going to be lengthy, but I want to read the, the, big, the big phrase that we've been using every week. And it's found in Philippians 4, chapter 4. Now listen to me. I want you to hear this. I think this chapter in the Bible is one of the most powerful chapters that's ever been written by any man. And all scriptures given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we know that. But men pen these words. And Paul penned these words while in prison. 
chained to a praetorian guard night and day, 24 hours a day, and he knew he was going to die. But he said in Philippians 4 and 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice Rejoice. in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. When there's a double indemnity there, when there's two things there, two times he mentions that, it means don't just rejoice, but I mean rejoice. Just flat out rejoice. It's not Texas scoring a touchdown. It's Texas beating Oklahoma. You know, rejoice. You see what I'm saying? All right. You may be seated. You're awesome people. I just, that's faith. That's faith right there. I love Charles Schultz. And there's a peanut cartoon strip which goes like this. Snoopy the dog is feeling great. and He comes dancing into the first frame of the cartoon saying to himself, sometimes... I love life so much I can't express it. In the second frame, he continues to dance. And he says, I feel like I want to take the first person I meet into my arms and dance merrily through the streets. Then the third frame comes, and he meets a very grumpy and a very angry Lucy. And then the fourth frame comes, and he's dancing again, and he says, I feel that I want to take the second person I meet into my arms and dance merrily through the street. There's a lot of people that try to take joy away from children of God. But I believe that the joy of the Lord didn't come from the people that try to take it away. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. And if the world didn't give it to me, the world cannot take it away from me. Today we're going to study four ingredients of joy, concepts, That can enrich our lives and turn us on to the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. I want to tell you a quick story. A story about a man named John Pierpont who died a failure, or some some, some may say. And in 1866, at the age of 81, he came to the end of his days as a government clerk in Washington, D.C. He had a long string of personal defeats. Things begin well enough in life. He graduated from Yale and Ivy League school, which his grandfather had helped found. And he was enthusiastic about choosing education as a profession. However, he was a failure at teaching because he was too easy on his students. So he turned to the legal world for training, and he was a failure as a lawyer. He was too generous with his clients, and he was more concerned about justice to take the cases that brought good fees. So he tried a career being a dry goods merchant, and he was a failure as a businessman also. He did not charge enough for his goods to make a profit, and he was too liberal with credit. But in the meantime, he began writing poetry, and though it was published, he didn't collect enough royalties to make a living. And so he decided to become a minister. (laughs) That was fourth in life. (laughs) And he went off to Harvard Divinity School, was ordained in a church in Boston. But his his position for prohibition against slavery got him crossways with the influential members of his congregation, and he was forced to resign. He failed as a minister. Politics seemed a place where he could make a difference, and he was nominated by the abolition party for governor of Massachusetts, and he lost. Undaunted, Pierpont ran for Congress under the banner of the Free Soil Party. He lost again. The Civil War came along, and he volunteered as a chaplain for the 22nd Regiment of the Massachusetts Volunteers, and two weeks later, he quit. Having found the task too much of a strain on his health, he was 76 years old at the time. So he failed as a chaplain. But someone found him an an obscure job in the back offices of a treasury department in Washington. 
And he finished the last five years of his life as a menial file clerk, and he wasn't very good at that either. His heart was not in it. And John Pierpont died a failure, or so some say. He had accomplished nothing significant in his lifetime, nothing he had set out to do. And there's a small memorial stone marking his grave in Mount Auburn Cemetery in Cambridge, Mass. And the words in granite read, poet, preacher, philosopher, philanthropist. And from this distance in time, one might insist that he was not, in fact, a failure. His commitment to social justice, his desire to be a loving human being, his active engagement in the great issues of his times, and his faith in the power of the human mind, these are not failures. And much of what he thought as defeat became success because education became reformed and legal processes were improved and credit laws were changed and above all, slavery was abolished once and for all. Clap your hands in Jesus' name. This is not an uncommon story. Many 19th century reformers had similar lives and similar failures and similar successes. In one very important sense, John Pierpont was not a failure. Every year, it's on my heart now, come December, we celebrate his success. Every year. We carry in our hearts and minds a lifelong memorial to him. It's a song. A little jingle. Literally. Not a song about Jesus or angels or Santa Claus or Frosty the Snowman. It's a terribly simple song about the simple joy of whizzing through the snow in a dark wintertime. It's a song about a sleigh being pulled by one horse. It's a song about laughter and singing, no more, no less. A song that brings merriment to everybody's heart that sings it. John Pierpont wrote Jingle Bells. He wrote Jingle Bells. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. We'll sing it this Christmas, probably in this church. And to write a song that stands for the simplest joys, to write a song that millions of people around the world know, a song about something they've never done but can imagine, well, that's not a failure. One snowy afternoon in the deep of the Massachusetts winter, John Pierpont penned the lines as a small gift for his family and friends and congregation. He wrote it about that quick. And in doing so, he left behind a permanent gift. It's called the gift of joy. The gift of joy. Today, I would like to preach on that. I'd like to give you a gift called joy today. I'd like to rob you of three months of waiting for Christmas to sing about peace on earth and goodwill to all men and joy to the world. I'd like for you to leave here today having a joy in your life that's unspeakable and is full of glory. Wouldn't you like to leave a legacy like that? Wouldn't you like to leave joy to people, your friends, your family? I know I would. I really want to do that. You see, joy oils the machinery of life. Joy greases the axles of the world. Joy is a medicine to a wounded soul. Joy dries up tears, and joy has an attracting quality about it. It's contagious. It is love smiling. Mm. It's a child's eyes gleaming. Nehemiah 8 and 10 said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Isaiah 12 and 3 said, with joy you shall draw water from the wells of salvation. John 15 and 11 said, these things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be Half full. No. Are you all reading the same thing I'm quoting? That your joy may be three quarters full. No. That your joy may be full. 
And Philippians 4 and 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So let's me, let, let, let this dawn in your minds and your heart today. Four of the greatest scriptures quoted in religious world today are found in Philippians chapter 4. And they were written by a man that was chained to a praetorian guard, the meanest guards in all of Rome. And he was chained 24 hours a day. And he knew he was going to die. He wasn't going to get out of that jail alive. He knew that. And yet in that jail where it was dark and dank and where it was wet and muggy, he wrote these verses. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if any, anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things or such things. He wrote in 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's on every ball glove in the major leagues. And he wrote in 19, all and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know what he said? He said, I have a God that's so big, he can, he can, he can satisfy all your needs. He can satisfy all your needs. My God's big enough to take care of me and you. I love people that have a God that big. You know, there's two kinds of people in the world. There's, there's God-oriented people and there's need-conscious people. And Paul was a God-oriented person. And even though he was in prison, he wrote to the Philippian people, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. I want to tell you, everybody can have that kind of God in your life. Everybody can have a God in a dad's life that blesses the whole family. In a child's life that blesses all of his class. In a young adult's life that blesses all the college curriculum that he goes through. And everything that we do on our job, we can have that kind of God in our life. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. I believe that. Paul has so much to tell us about joy. In spite of the fact he suffered greatly for his faith. The letter to the Philippians written from a jail cell is absolutely overflowing with joy. Joy is the key word throughout the book of Philippians. Chapter after chapter is filled with things that brought delight to his soul. In chapter 1, he rejoices that the gospel is being preached, even if it's being declared by those whose motives are not even right. He said, they're not even preaching it for the right motives, but the gospel's being preached, so I'm excited about that, and I'm, I'm full of joy. In chapter 2, he faces possible execution, but he says, if by my death... Somebody else's faith is deepened. I'll be full of joy because I want you to have joy. And in chapter 4, the Philippian believers are one source of his joy. And he, when he thinks of them, his heart is warmed. And when he writes to them, his spirit is refreshed. And so what is exactly, what exactly is Christian joy? What is it? What is it? How can we describe it? How, how do we get it? How does it come? Oh, we've talked about it's not happiness. We've talked about joy killers, and we've talked about that our joy comes from what he gave us and not what we have. But what is the ingredients? In order to define what it is, I must define, first of all, what it's not. Let me tell you what it's not. It's not synonymous with fun and games. It's really not. Pleasures for a season. Pleasure seekers do not find joy. Joy is something different. Joy is much deeper than just pleasure. Number two, it's not the ability to always tell funny stories or be the life of the party. Some people are like that and some are not. It's often a matter of temperament. Laughter does have its benefit. The Bible said it does good like a medicine. And to be sure, it might not suffice during a crisis, but joy will. 
Number three, neither is joy the same as being carefree. There's some people that take vacations and it's a recipe for joy for them. But these are often merely temporary. People see joy only as it's in escapist terms. True joy can be the Christian's portion anytime, any place, under any strain. It was so for Jesus, it was so for Paul, and it can be for us also. Amen? I believe, I believe about 3.30 today when the Cowboys have been beat, you still have the joy of the Lord in your life. I believe next week when we beat Oklahoma, Oklahoma's going to have a hard time having joy. Amen. Joy is not the same as happiness. Say it's not the same as happiness. Joy is birthed as a result of a loving relationship. Sad is the person who bases his joy strictly on beneficial circumstances. The events of life are like waves on the sea. Tide goes out and the tide comes in and they come and go depending on the direction and the force of the wind. If you were to ask a psychologist what joy is all about, he would say something like this. He would use this phrase. He said, joy is a state of mind in which four ingredients enter. Joy is a state of mind in which four ingredients enter. I'd like to say I'm quoting a Christian psychologist today because sometimes psychologists that are not Christian do not tell you what I'm about to tell you. But the first ingredient is a sense of being loved. The second is the ability to accept your situation in life. And the third ingredient is a sense of you have something worth having, like a spouse or children or a friend or a hobby or a career. And the fourth ingredient is the sense that you are giving something worth giving. Giving to people is a great source of joy. Giving oneself to others tremendous, is tremendously rewarding. That's why mothers, many times, who really take on motherhood are the happiest and most joyful people in the world because they love those little rugrats. They love them. I know kids step on your toes when they're young, and then they step on your hearts when they get bigger. But I will declare to you that there's nothing like it. And when you have them the second time around, folks, it's just awesome. I went by the office today, and Patty's back in the office watching me on TV. Hi, baby. How you doing back there? I love you. She's watching kids for the families today. But what a joy. What a joy to walk by that room. And the oldest one's seven. And one of them just had a birthday today. She's five. And then we've got a four-year-old. And we've got a, hmm, I'm losing it now. We've got a three-year-old and a two-year-old. And they're all back there. And they all had their hero suits on today. Some were Batman. Some were Spider-Man. Some were Mr. America. I don't know who they were. I don't know that. But I looked in there and, and I saw the joy on their face. And I said, Wow. I'm so happy. I'm so joyful because these kids belong to me. There's, some, there's nothing like the joy of children in your life. Can you say amen to that? In fact, one writer said joy is like jam. It sticks to you as you try to spread it. That's what it is. If you look at this fourfold formula for joy through a Christian's eyes, you can see how completely it is fulfilled in a relationship with Jesus Christ. For example, number one, joy comes when a believer knows that he or she is loved. Let me ask you a question today. Do you really know that Jesus loves you? Do you really know that? Do you really, really know that? Can you stand on the corner? Can you stand on the corner of doubt and heartbreak and say, I love Jesus and Jesus loves me? Can you really believe today? Can you buy that? You know, we quote John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But I love what Paul did. Paul understood something. When he was knocked off his horse on the Damascus Road in Acts 9, and he looked up and went stone blind at the blinding light, he realized that Jesus could have took him out right then. But he didn't. 
He loved him enough to save him, put him in Ananias' hands, and he, he arose and baptized him. And Paul became a man that preached the gospel, and the Lord gave the New Testament revelation of the church to him, and he wrote 14 of the 27 New Testament books. He knew that Jesus loved him. And in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he said, he loved me and gave himself for me. I want that to go on your refrigerator this week. Not God so loved the world, not John 3. I want you to put on your refrigerator, he loves me. And he gave himself for me. And when you start seeing that, you'll have a smile on your face as big as all of Austin, Texas. Because he don't just love some of us. He loves all of us. Individually, he loves us all. Come on, clap your hands real big to that. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. In fact, the Bible said in John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. In Luke chapter 10, there's a beautiful story of disciples that Jesus sent out two by two. And they came back all excited because they had healed people in the name of Jesus and they had cast out some devils in the name of Jesus. And it's a beautiful, beautiful passage there. But I want, I want, I want to tell you something. You know, the Bible said, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. You know what that joy was? That was you and me. That was us. He saw us as his joy. And because he saw us as his joy, he endured the cross for us. It makes us wonder sometimes why we can't endure some things for him. But when they came back, they said, wow. He said, how'd it go, guys? They said, wow, Jesus, it was bad. Man, it was bad. We had some mean old devils come against us. We said, I adjure you in the name of Jesus. And they just went running. And Jesus looked at them. And he said, don't rejoice because demons are subject to your name, to my name. But rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Now watch this. You've got to get this, folks. You've got to get this. I'm not trying to be a country cornbone preacher here right now. But the Bible said in that hour, he rejoiced in spirit. You know what that is in the Greek? He agaliahoed, which means he leaped for joy. He did a Toyota commercial before Toyotas were ever invented. He clicked his heels in the air and said, I'm excited because your name and your name and your name and your name are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what it's all about. You better get excited because he went to the cross for you and he's written your name in the Lamb's book of life. He loves you. He loves you today. Woo, that's exciting. That's the first thing you got to grab. You got to grab the fact that he loves you. He loves you. And there's another little verse here that I think is so special, and I've never quoted it in the pulpit. I'm going to quote it today. It's a little bit further down in chapter 10. He said, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. <laughs> Not everybody sees what we get to see. We've seen miracles in this house. We saw 35 people get water baptized here today. I know the 50's coming in the next service. Amen. We're seeing a lot of great things in this house. Can, can you rejoice in that? Because we get to see a lot of great things in the house of God. We get to hear a lot of great things in the house of God. The love of God led him 
to adopt us into his very own family as we responded to his invitation. I love what Paul said. Paul said, we cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. You know what Abba means, don't you? It means Daddy. <laughs> we cry, Dad, Daddy. He said, I want you to get so close to me. You know what? I'm going to say something here. I, I, I didn't mean, I, I, it's not my notes, but I'm going to say it. God's tired of dating some of y'all. He's tired of picking you up and taking you to Sonic all the time. And taking you to Chewy's and taking you out to eat somewhere. He's tired of that. God's tired of that. Why don't you step up to the plate and say, I'm tired of dating you too. I want to marry you. I want to marry you. I want to be involved in your world. Hey, 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 hey. Why don't we go ahead and just step up and say, I'm tired of just dating you, Jesus. I'm ready to say I do to you. And let's get married and go further in this thing than we've ever gone in our life. Amen. Uh, the second thing that psychologists say, Christian psychologists, that joy comes from having an acceptance of our situation in life. Folks, I'm, I want to say this, and, and, and it's important I say it. Every man that's born of woman is but a few days and full of trouble. There will be trouble in your life. There will be situation in your life. But here's what Christians need to understand. That all of his circumstances are planned out by the God of heaven who's a loving God, and they will eventually work out for the good. Romans 8, 28 says, all things, say all things, work together for the good to those that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. Everything works out. Paul was in prison when he said, I have learned in whatever state I am in therewith to be content. Here's what you got to do. When you're in the crisis of your life, when you've hit a dead end and it's not a paved road, When the light is red and it stays red for three or four days, you stay there and you rejoice in the fact that God orders your steps. And it doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what your circumstance is. God is, oh, I am, sir. God is greater than all your circumstance and all your situations. He's bigger than all your problems and all your mountains. He's bigger than the widest stream. He's greater than the greatest force in this life. There is nowhere you can go to get away from God. So rejoice in your circumstance and have joy in your heart because go back to number one. He loves you. He loves you. I'm sorry, folks. I'm preaching today. Forgive me. I'm just excited about this. Man went to a foreign country and there were some lepers that came to church one night. And they requested a certain hymn. And it was not, I must tell Jesus all my troubles. But what they asked for was singing, I go along life's road, for Jesus has lifted my heavy load. Lepers. If lepers can sing that in a leper colony, we can sing the joy of the Lord is our strength right here in the house of God. Amen. Moving forward. Joy comes from having something worth having. Everybody say, having something worth having what's the only thing worth having in our life today Paul said I count all things to be lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them but garbage in fact the word there is dung I count them as dung that I may gain Christ and may be found in him Paul discovered something someone worth having and he brings him such joy that even the things he lost to gain Jesus seems worthless when a man courts a girl 
What does he want? He simply wants to, a love relationship with her, and, and because of that, he proposes marriage. And the marriage relationship isn't a means to an end, but it, it in itself is a source of joy which makes it worthwhile. Paul said it this way. He said, I have Jesus. I have the glorious reality of knowing him, and that is enough for me. In fact, one time he said, I don't want to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, there's a beautiful song that is sung, and, and I, I hope I don't get tripped up on the words here today. But it goes something like this. The love of God is greater far than any tongue or pen could tell. It reaches past the farthest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. The erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. And the Course says, O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Then the second verse, the second verse, folks, was found on an insane asylum wall. Somebody in that insane asylum room wrote this on the wall. And I don't think this man was crazy. I think he just had a love of Jesus and somebody didn't understand. He wrote it this way, if we with pen the ocean could feel and were the sky of parchment made, wherever stalk on earth was a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. Can I tell you, folks, he's worth having in your life. He's worth having in your life in every circumstance, in every situation because he loves us like no one can ever love us in this world. That's joy. That's joy. And then the fourth one is joy comes from giving something worth giving. It's having something worth having and it's giving something worth giving. And what is it that we possess as children of God that's worth giving away? I'll tell you what it is. It's our faith. It's our hope. It's our joy. And when you start giving it away, it's going to get on you. But here's what I want to tell you. Let me take you back to number one again because so many people love to give joy and give love away, but they can never receive it. You're going to have to learn to receive God's love and receive God's joy because I don't care how many times you have fallen down. Oh, let me talk right now. The Bible said a righteous man gets up one more time than he falls. One man wrote in the Old Testament, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. And though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. Amen? I don't care how many times you have fallen. He loves you when you're down. He loves you when you're trying to get up. He loves you when you're up. Amen. He loves you when you're in the pig pen. He loves you when you come to your senses. He loves you when you start walking home. He'll run to meet you when he sees you run into him. I'm here to declare Jesus loves us. And if you'll accept that, you'll understand how to give that love away and still receive it. That's joy. That's joy. Everybody say he loves me. Everybody say my circumstances are not greater than the character of Christ. Everybody say, I've, I've got something worth having in my life, a relationship with him, and I've got something worth giving away, our pure love for Jesus. There's a certain exaltation that sweeps over people. And so every Sunday, Randy, if you'll help me, every Sunday, I come to this pulpit, and I, uh, I get excited 
Tulsa, we love you. I'm sorry I didn't give you a shout out at the first service. I'm sorry. And all people watching by, by uh, online, we love you too. Amen. I was so excited about preaching, I forgot to even honor them. But I honor them today. We have hundreds of people watch our service every Sunday, and I love them. I love them very much. Thank you. And you know what? Every Sunday, <laughs> every Sunday, I love to just reach in here and give you some joy and give you some peace and give you some contentment and bluebell or whatever. And give you. you know what I call Sundays? I call Sundays Christmas. Because I love Sundays. I'm a Sunday kid. I love Sundays. Mom and Daddy drugged me to church when I was a boy, and I still have those drugs in my body. I'm a drug addict. But we went every time the doors were open. And I fell in love with church. I fell in love with the mother. I've always loved the father, but I fell in love with Mama. And Mama always gives me something good on Sunday. And always gives me something good when I come and pray in this in its house. I love the mother of us all, the church. I love this Jerusalem church. I love it. And I love the fact that we're a spirit-filled, spirit-led church. I love that. And every Sunday when I get up, I, I got up before the alarm went off today, 30 minutes before my alarm went off today. And we have one of those little things you can talk to. I said, hey, Google, turn off the alarm. She said, what? No, she didn't. <laughs> then I reset it for Patty. But I was so excited because the joy of the Lord is so wonderful and so special and so prevalent in this place. And I'm, I get broke up, but I love his joy. I love his contentment. I love his peace. I sat on an altar one day several years ago, and I said, Lord, do you still love me? I was in a circumstance that wasn't good. He said, I've never stopped. I've never stopped. And you know what? He hadn't. And here I am today telling you, I don't care where you are in life. He'll never stop loving you. He will never stop loving you. He cares for you. He really does. A man was driving his car one night. When he saw an older lady stranded on the side of the road, he saw that she was needing help, so he stopped his old Pontiac to go over to her new Mercedes, his sister. And he smiled and while he was approaching her, and she was a little worried. It was dusky. It was getting close to dark now, and as nobody had stopped for hours, and moreover, he didn't look safe because his appearance seemed to be poor and shabby. He could see how frightened she was, and so he tried to calm her. He said, I'm here to help you. Don't worry. My name is Brian Anderson, and I'm legit. The tire was flat, and he had to crawl under the car. While changing the tire, he got his hands dirty, and he busted one of his hands, and it bled. So his hands were dirty and bleeding when he got out from under the car, but he fixed the flat. And when the job was done, she asked how much she owed him for his help, and Brian smiled. He said, if you, if you really want to pay me back, the next time you see someone who needs help, just give that person the needed assistance and think of me. 
And later that evening, the older lady stopped by a small cafe and the place looked dingy. Then she saw a waitress nearly eight months pregnant wiping her wet hair with a towel she had sweated and worked so hard. The waitress had a sweet, friendly smile and although she had spent long hours on her feet the whole day. And the lady wondered how someone who has so little could be so kind and giving to a stranger. Then she remembered Brian. The lady had finished her meal. She, she paid the $100 bill to the waitress and the waitress went to get changed. And when she came back, the lady was gone. She had left a note on a napkin and she said on this napkin, you don't owe me anything. Somebody once helped me and just like now, I'm helping you. And if you really want to pay me back, do not let this chain of love end with you. And the waitress found four more $100 bills under the napkin. And that night, the waitress came home early, and she left early because she got good pay. <laughs> she was thinking about the lady and the money she left, and she was wondering how the lady could know and how much she and her husband needed it, especially now when the baby would soon arrive at she knew that her husband worried about that. She was glad to tell him the good news of what happened at the restaurant, the cafe today. Then she kissed him and whispered, Now everything's going to be all right. I love you, Brian Anderson. I love you. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? How joy can excite joy. And that joy can excite joy. This church has the distinct ability to turn Austin inside out for Jesus. This church has a distinct opportunity to do something as great as ever been done by a church. Patty and I went to my 50th anniversary last week and I saw a lot of old people. I told you I graduated when I was eight, so I was the youngest one there. <laughs> but on our way home, it was a Sunday. We were driving home and was watching Reed preach last Sunday. Was watching service in the car. And we'd drive by churches, well-established churches with three cars in the parking lot. Church was in session. We drove by churches with five and six cars in the parking lot. Finally, we drove by a church that had about 30 cars in the parking lot. And I said, well, thank God they're moving the needle. But there's not a church, there's not a church that can move the needle like this church can. This church can affect this city. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength to move the city. We had some people come to first service that we never invited to church. They just came because they liked what they felt when they was around us. You can move this city with the joy of the Lord. Would you stand? You're awesome people, and I love you very, very much. Give a good hand for the word of the Lord today. Give a hand for the word of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. I wanna, want you to bow your head and close your eyes, and if you'd like me to bless you today, I would like for you to come. We're not giving a saint center call today. We're just giving a call for people that would just like to say, Pastor, I, I need joy. I need to know Jesus loves me. 
I need to get through my circumstance. I need to be happy about, I mean, I need to, I need to be getting something that I, is worth getting, and I need to be giving something that's worth giving, and I need that in my life. Would you step down here right now and let me bless you? Come on down, come on down. If you want to come out of the balcony, I'm just going to bless you. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to be bothered here. We're just going to bless you in the name of the Lord. I think it's wonderful. I think it's good. Husbands and wives are coming. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Amen. Now I'm going to pray the joy of the Lord over you. I'm going to, I'm going to ask God to, to baptize you with it, bless you with it. But what I want you to do, you that are in this altar right now, what I want you to do, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to say, Jesus, Jesus. I want to know today without a shadow of a doubt that you love me. I want to feel your love in my heart. Now I want you to keep your hands up. Amen. The singers are going to sing. Music's going to play, and I'm going to pray right now. Dear Father, in the name that's above every name, you see these precious, precious people, people that I love and people that I know you love because you went to the cross for them. And Lord, we, we just want to, we want to share, we want to share our hearts today with the goodness of the Lord because, Lord, you came to ransom us. You came to die for us. You came to give your life as a ransom for my salvation. And I love that. And I really do appreciate that. And I thank you for that. What a joy. Now, Lord, I want these people to know today without a shadow of a doubt that they are loved. No matter if they've fallen, no matter if they're trying to get up, no matter if they're in a circumstance they can't handle. You love them, Lord. You love them with all they have. You love them. You love them. You love their whole being. You love everything about them. You love everything about them. You love everything about them. And you want, it, you want them to walk in the light that you have, you have put in their world. And Lord, I want them to understand that even in their circumstance, you're on the corner with them. You're there with them. And you're going to show them the way. And you're going to walk with them. Because everything that happens has to pass through you. And Lord, let us understand that we have something worth having. And we have a relationship with you. And we have something worth giving when we give your joy and your hope and your peace away to people. For it's in Jesus' name, I bless this crowd today. I bless these people here today. And may the hand of God be upon them. Now, you that's in the altar and you that's in the audience, if you want to repeat after me, please do. Say, Father, I love you today. Thank you for the word. May the word be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And may I walk circumspectly in your will and your way. And by your word today, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, restore to me my joy. Restore to me my joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody in the house, give your hands together. Clap them to the Lord right now. Clap them to the Lord right now. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord today. Amen. 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 Come on, clap real loud. Clap real loud. Just a little longer. Come on. Rejoice in Him. Rejoice in Him. Rejoice in Him. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, Wednesday night, we're getting into a new series and 
We got some great plans for you in the fall. You don't want to miss the fall. We got some great plans in October and November and December. It's going to be church like you've never seen in your life. I love you. Have a good time. We'll see you Wednesday night. Have a great day. Amen. I hope your team wins today. Whatever you